God, we just come before you. We thank you for bringing us to this place. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this journey together. God, as we approach your throne, God, we choose you. You know the circumstances in our lives. You know the things happening, God. And we trust you with those things. And we choose you, God. We choose to trust you. We choose to worship you. God, we choose joy. the 
So God, we make that choice this morning. We choose joy. We choose you this day. We choose you in this season. We look to you, God. We worship you. This morning in this place, we worship you. In this season, we worship you, God. We will sing joy. We will sing joy. We will sing joy. Joy to
God, would you be praised in this room? God, we've sung these songs. And God, with the words of praise, God, I pray that our hearts would follow as we make that choice. God, help us to be all in today as we hear your truth, hear your word. We praise you, Jesus. God, you bring joy to our lives, joy to this world. God, and we choose you today, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So 
This is the third Sunday of Advent, and we've already celebrated hope, peace, and today we get to celebrate joy. And so in this process of just us coming together as a church, we've thought it would be good. This, this is turning into a tradition, I think. We're going to continue to do this each and every year, because it's important for us to focus on the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which if you've not been keeping track, I've talked to a few people today that they were surprised it was next week, so get, get her done. Get your shopping in there. A couple of announcements for the week. Um, right now, we don't have a lot going on, but we do have youth group, which is meeting tonight, 4 o'clock. There is still room if you want to sign up. So if you want to sign up, go to bell ringing at King Supers. I know they're going to do a little bit of hanging out in Starbucks and doing bell ringing at the same time. It's a two-hour slot. Connect with Val and make sure you get signed up so she knows that you're there and coming. Also this week, uh, this Thursday night, we've got a men's gathering, 6 p.m., at Barrows and Bottles in Camp George West. So just a great opportunity. If you want to get together with folks in the church, get to know people, really informal right now. Um, not a lot scheduled through the rest of the year in men's ministry, so this would be the last chance to be able to do that. Looking into the future, though, we do, uh, we do have our business meeting that's planned. We've got that on the calendar for January 28th. It looks like we are going to try to do a new members class before that time, so if you're interested in that, we'll get some more details coming out. Um, Christmas Eve, big day. We're going to do church. We're still going to do church at 10 o'clock, and then we're going to be here at 4.30 for our candlelight service. So come to both. Come to one, whatever feels comfortable for you. But we will be celebrating here throughout the day on Christmas Eve, and I'm pretty excited about that, where we'll be finishing up and we'll be learning about the last Advent, which is love, agape, as we head into celebrating Christ's birth the next day. Um, I also want to bring up, uh, we've got mission stuff going on. I think we're looking pretty good, but there's still some opportunities. If you want to give towards making sure that we get gifts and presents to our missionaries overseas and to the kids at the school, um, both, both locations right now, um, the tree's still in the back, so you guys can be part of grabbing that stuff and making sure we're getting things into the hands of the people in, in all the areas that we're able to serve. And you can still buy coffee. I'm not handing any out today. Sorry, Neil. But you can still get coffee. It's still there and available. And it does benefit us as we're working down in Nicaragua. Um, but lastly, I'm going to bring up Timothy and the boys. And, and they're going to share with us this morning. And they're going to light today's Advent candle. Stand there. I'll pick you up. All right. Good morning. Well, for those of you who don't know my family or even for those that do this is a, a small representation of us we've they've been dropping like flies this morning so unfortunately this is this is what you get um, we wanted to use this time uh, talking about joy to talk a little bit about something that is was applicable to our family and may be applicable to uh, the broader church in general um, our family has moved uh, a lot, so each of our kids have been born in a different state or country. And after our sixth move, we had five kids, and my wife said, you know what, we need to stay put for a while. Well, sure enough, my job changed about 12 months after that move, and she said, we're going to stay here, you can travel. We said, you know what, we got a strong marriage, we're good. And so my travel looked like once a week, then it was, it was gonna be a full week a month, then it was two weeks a month, then it was, before I knew it, it was pretty much I was home maybe on the weekends. Um, 
We did that for about two years, and that's hard on a marriage. Uh, if you've done that, you know what I mean. If you haven't done it, I don't recommend it. Um, what we didn't realize was happening was we, we were living two different lives, and we were being pulled further and further apart from each other. And um, knowing that I needed to be intentional and jump into my kids' lives, I went on an outing with my oldest daughter, a, a father-daughter kind of camping retreat with another group, and we were heading up to Poudre Canyon, which is um, just outside of Fort Collins, and the last thing I, I heard from my wife as we were checking in before I lost cell reception was, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to take a pregnancy test. <laughs> so here I am, I'm on supposed to be this focused week with my daughter, trying to invest into her life, thinking, my goodness, how can this be? We hardly spend any time together. I, I, had, other, I had other bad thoughts going through my head about, you know, is it me, is it somebody else? Um, all that. I come out of Poudre Canyon, first thing I do, call. Sure enough, she says, we're pregnant. Um, that was a self-reflection moment for me in my life about how we were living, what we were doing. And as I started thinking that we can't keep doing this separate lives apart, it's not fair to my wife to be left with uh, five kids plus a newborn child, so six, um, at home. The Lord started really speaking on my heart what that meant. And what it meant is it probably meant a move which was gonna be hard, but that move meant that we, it would draw us together. And so this, our sixth child that was to be born, the Lord gave to me the name Joy because he said to me, this child will bring joy to your family. And, it, and she has. Um, she couldn't be the, any more the uh, uh, example of joyful. Uh, even when she came to us sick this morning, she was jumping up and down saying, Mommy, don't hug me. I just threw up. <laughs> um, I, I say all this during this time of Advent because uh, when, if we think about the, where the Israelites were, while they knew of God, they were kind of separated from that relationship. And Isaiah is really all about that book. And it's, it's used a lot during this time, but Isaiah 6 through 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Um, and so... While my story has meaning certainly to me, this separation from God that was being experienced and when Jesus came first as a child is that bringing us back together, bringing us back into relationship with uh, Christ, with God the Father, and that is the connection that we are celebrating during this uh, Christmas season, this time of Advent. So as we light the candles, um, I'd like to leave us with, um, I'm going to say kind of this blessing that comes from Romans 15, verse 13. It says, Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it really is because of the birth of Christ that we have hope, we can experience true peace in this crazy world, and despite what's going on around us, we have joy. We have joy in so much more and the expectation of what Christ brings us. Thanks, guys. We're going to dismiss kids. Go to your classes. The rest of you can stand up. Say hi to the people around you.
Welcome to everyone that's here this morning. Great to uh, see you all. For those that are new or maybe visiting, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. I hope everyone's having a, a great Christmas season. I want to thank the, the Coors, part of the Coors family, for uh, doing the Advent candle for us this morning. I thought it was kind of cool that they were doing the Joy devotional because their daughter's name was Joy, but they kind of represented joy in the midst of really difficult circumstances. When you've got kids that are sick and throwing up and yet you can still talk about joy, um, that was awesome. And I almost felt like once Timothy was done, we're done. I don't have to preach today because he, he covered it really well. So nice job, Timothy. Thank you so much. And the Bats did a great job last week and the Piascovies the week before that. I mean, it's been really cool just to, to see these different perspectives on Advent from these families. And as we all know, Advent is this time of preparation, right? It's this time leading up to Christmas, to the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. And I, for one, really appreciate Advent because I know, and you know, Kevin mentioned that this is kind of becoming a tradition. I think we've done Advent now for the last four or five years really intentionally. And before that, when we weren't really talking about Advent, I would kind of tend to lose track of things, lose track of time, and just all of a sudden Christmas would be upon me and I had to change gears really fast from the busyness of preparation to now like, okay, we got to celebrate Jesus' birth. So Advent is just this time of preparation to really just kind of lean in and think about it. And however you do that, whether it is, you know, the Advent devotionals that, that we passed out. And I know Christy and I have been trying to do it. We've been a little haphazard with doing it. But when we do it, it's really meaningful. Or the Right Now Media videos on Advent or just other Advent traditions you have or maybe grew up with. It's really valuable as a time of preparation to kind of set your perspective right for celebrating Christmas, which, like Kevin said, is next Monday, so you've only got a week left. So, um, we're going to talk about the topic of joy this morning, um, but before we do that, let's uh, pray for our time together in God's Word. Lord God, we uh, just come before you, and I know that... Uh, our circumstances are not always what we would want them to be, especially this time of year. There's sometimes difficulty, there's heaviness, there's grief. There's things that just seem to get magnified during this time of year, both good and bad. But Lord, we just want to, um, as, as Mike and, and Malia and the worship team were singing about, we want to choose joy during this time of year. And we know it's a choice. It is an intentional choice. So, Lord, help us to choose joy, and as we go through this message today, just help us to, to open up our hearts to the idea of joy. We've already talked about hope and our eternal hope in you, and we've talked about peace and the peace that you give us, Jesus, and now we can talk about joy and the joy that comes from our relationship with you. So, Lord, I just ask that you would be with us, open our hearts and our minds to your word, and just to whatever your Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, I want you to think about the word joy for a minute and how you might define it for yourselves. Now, most of us probably equate joy with happiness. And, and, and we think of them as different degrees or on a continuum of the same emotion. And if you look up the word joy in the dictionary, one of the first definitions is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So you wouldn't be entirely wrong thinking that joy and happiness are somewhat equated. But I would suggest to you that joy and happiness are two 
different things, especially from a biblical perspective. Okay? Now, our word, English word happiness comes from most likely an old Norwegian root word, which was hap. And the word hap carried the meaning of chance or luck or fortune or fate. And we see this root word hap has crept into a number of English words. It's the basis for a number of these words. We have the word happen. So if something just happens to you outside of your control, something happens to you, you get hit by someone in a parking lot, you get a fender bender, it just happens to you, right? Or you happen upon something, you, you find something by chance. It's also found in the word happenstance, which really means a, a, a coincidence or an event that happens by chance. And the word hapless, which is defined as unfortunate or lacking luck. And the word mishap, which is basically an unlucky accident. And the word perhaps, which literally means through fate or perchance. Okay, so it, it, it conveys this idea of uncertainty. And of course we see it in the words happy and happiness. So the root, word, the root word hap has to do with the idea of chance or fate or luck. And so we can define happiness as a positive feeling that is related primarily to something that has happened to us or is happening to us, okay, to our circumstances. So in other words, happiness is a positive emotion that happens when life goes our way. But from a biblical perspective, the idea of joy is actually greater than happiness. It's more than. The Old Testament describes joy as a quality of life and as an emotion. Psalm 118 speaks of shouts of joy after a costly battle. Psalm 30 speaks of joy that comes in the morning following a night of weeping. And Psalm 98 speaks of shouts of joy after a release from captivity. And little known fact, the song Joy to the World is actually based on Psalm 98. There was a gentleman who took Psalm 98, he took all of David's psalms and paraphrased them and put them in poetry. And then that poem about Psalm 98 eventually became our song, Joy to the World. Now in the New Testament, joy is characterized as this feeling of amazement or ecstasy, an uninhibited response to God's grace and God's presence. So we hear about the tidings of joy brought by the angels when Christ was born. And joy is also listed among the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, where it represents a confidence in God's character regardless of our circumstances. Now, the typical Greek word that is translated joy most often is kairo, which conveys this idea of a calm delight, a deep feeling of satisfaction and well-being. So we talked last week about peace and how we talk about peace and, you know, it's the absence of hostility, but shalom, that deeper sense of peace is this inner sense. It's the same thing with joy. It's this deep feeling of satisfaction and well-being. So let me offer a biblical definition of joy. True biblical joy is a deep and abiding confidence that regardless of one's circumstances, everything is right between us and the Lord. 
And we've been studying Romans, and this is really important. This really fits in well with our study of Romans. Because in Romans, we've been talking about how when you become a believer, you are declared righteous. You are justified, and that is something I believe cannot be taken away from you. And then once you're declared righteous and you're justified, then you're being sanctified for the rest of your life, and eventually you will be glorified. And, and so we can experience joy in that, even in the midst of really difficult circumstances. Even when we slip up and sin, which we all do, we still know that we are righteous. And so we can be joyful. So I would suggest that while happiness is based primarily on our circumstances, our joy is based on our relationship with God. And I, and I think that's what Paul conveys in Philippians 4. We hear these verses um, quoted regularly. But he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. So our joy comes from the nearness of God in our lives, from his presence in our lives. Okay, so that gives us some context for the word joy. And it brings us to the stories of Elizabeth and Mary in Luke chapter 1. As I was going through this Advent devotional this week, and kind of looking ahead and kind of thinking, okay, how can I tie this sermon into maybe something that's presented in this Advent devotional? Um, I was drawn to a devotional entitled, The Contrast Between Two Mothers. Way back in 2002, when Gus first started teaching me how to study the Bible in depth, he emphasized the importance of observation. And, and observation simply refers to the idea of reading a passage over and over and over again in its original context and really observing what the author is saying, what they, what they, what they said in the text, not what they meant, but what they said, what they meant, interpretation comes later. And the bulk of the work is in observation because we want to understand what the author is giving us. And when we observe a passage in the Bible, there's a number of key things that we look for. Things like tone. What is the tone of the author in this passage? We look for repetition. What are the key themes or phrases or words that are repeated throughout the passage? Words that connect related passages. So when you see for or because or therefore, these, make these connections that, that lead to meaning. Okay? And then we see analogies and metaphors and similes and other kinds of comparisons. And then we see contrasts in the text. And I have always found contrasts to be one of the most fascinating aspects of a biblical passage. Because there is usually so much meaning conveyed in a contrast. For example, in Psalm 1, we see a stark contrast between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. In Luke chapter 10, we see a stark contrast between Martha and Mary and the way they both responded to actually having Jesus in their home. And in Galatians 5, we see a stark contrast between the acts of the flesh on one hand, and the fruits of the Spirit on the other. And so these contrasts lead us to a deeper meaning in these passages. And that's why I found this particular devotional to be so interesting, because it highlights some contrasts between Elizabeth and Mary, these mothers-to-be. Now, on the surface, it would appear that Mary and Elizabeth's situations are quite similar. 
But when we look deeper, we see certain contrasts. For example, Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah had been married for years, and the text tells us they were both very old. Okay, but Mary and Joseph hadn't been married yet. They weren't even married, and they were both very young. So they're starting out in very different places. Another example, Elizabeth had been un unable to have children. A and because of her barrenness, she was probably experiencing shame, both publicly and privately, because barrenness was a shameful thing. It was almost a sign of a lack of spirituality or a lack of good health. Back in those days, it was, it was really difficult in Old Testament times and in the first century with Christianity. By contrast, Mary kind of had her whole life in front of her, right? We can imagine her excitement about the blessings of being married eventually and potentially having children. And so therefore, she had no shame at this point. So here we have two very different women in very different places, one older and barren and experiencing shame, and the other young and hopeful and experiencing no shame. And then in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, these stories converge, and both become pregnant in a supernatural way. The angel Gabriel appears to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, while he's serving in the temple. And the angel tells Zechariah that his wife, Elizabeth, will conceive and give birth to a son in her old age. And a short time later, after Zechariah returns home to his wife, she conceives miraculously. Later, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her that she will excuse me, conserve, conceive and give birth to a son in her youth. And a short time later, even though she's a virgin, she conceives miraculously. Now, we have to look at their responses. And, and I, you know, I agree, there, you, you'll see this and you'll see overlap between happiness and joy. But there is a subtle difference in how they responded. In response to her good news, Elizabeth said, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And in response to her good news, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So both women acknowledge the faithfulness of God, but I would suggest that their responses are slightly different. I would attribute Elizabeth's response to happiness and Mary's response to joy, and here's why. With Elizabeth, her circumstances were greatly improved. Her lifelong shame of being barren had been lifted from her, and she was exceedingly happy about it. And yes, I'm sure she was joyful too, but I would suggest it was primarily happiness. In Mary's response, we see literal joy. The text specifically says, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And then if you continue to read Mary's hymn of praise. We can see in her words that it's more about her relationship with the Lord than it is about her specific circumstances, especially when we consider Mary's life probably got really messy at this point. And sure, she was pledged to be married to Joseph, and I'm sure she was very happy about that. And then the angel tells her that she's going to be the son, or excuse me, she's going to give birth to the son of the Most High. But she's not married yet. She just found out she's going to become pregnant. What will Joseph think? What will her family think? What will the village think? What will the religious leaders think about this young woman who is now pregnant but not married? 
That would have been scandalous. I mean, even Joseph, what's his reaction? He decides to quietly divorce her so as not to bring disgrace upon her. So we can imagine she might not be feeling too happy at this point. But in this hymn of praise that we see in Luke chapter 1, she is expressing incredible joy from within, despite what is, looks like very difficult circumstances. Okay. So we have very different responses. Both women are pregnant, and both of these pregnancies would be received very differently by family and friends and religious leaders. One pregnancy would end a woman's shame. The other might trigger a woman's shame. One would result in celebration, while the other might result in scandal or gossip. So I think in the case of Elizabeth, again, we see happiness in her response to her new circumstances, where in the case of Mary, we see true biblical joy in response to her relationship with God. And she exhibits that deep and abiding confidence that regardless of her circumstances, regardless of this looming scandal, regardless of how bad this might look, everything is okay between her and the Lord. She feels blessed by what the Lord is doing within her. And that's what I want you all to take into this week leading up to Christmas, that regardless of your circumstances, you can have that deep and abiding confidence that everything is fine between you and the Lord. So if the stress and the busyness and the commercialization of Christmas is stealing your joy, I want you to remember these four R's. Repent, refocus, remember, and rejoice. The first R stands for repent. And I know this may sound a bit odd that our, because our topic is joy. But since joy is primarily related to our relationship with God, and sin dramatically affects that relationship, then it follows sin greatly diminishes joy. When we sin, we turn our back on God. And it's really hard to be joyful when our back is turned to God. After David sinned with Bathsheba and was confronted by the prophet Nathan, he wrote Psalm 51, which is known as a penitential psalm, a psalm of repentance. And in this psalm, he confesses his sin in verses 3 and 4. He says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And then he asks for his joy to be restored in verses 10 through 12. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So David repented and then asked for God to restore his joy. So if you're lacking joy because of unconfessed sin in your life, simply confess it. Turn away from that sin and turn back to God and then ask God to restore the joy in your life. The second R stands for refocus. Now, as I mentioned earlier, happiness is related primarily to positive circumstances, right? But joy is related to our relationship with God. Thinking back to the story of Mary, it would have been very easy for her to let her circumstances steal her joy. But she didn't do that. She chose instead to let her perspective be on God. 
Now, for many of us, our circumstances are not ideal. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff going in on our lives. You know, there's friends that are grieving. We're grieving. We're struggling with all kinds of things. And the thing about the, se the Christmas season is it really magnifies a lot of those issues, doesn't it? Now, over the years, Pastor Gus has told us repeatedly, if you ever want to be really depressed, just think about yourself more. And that is so true. He is so spot on with that. The more we think about ourselves, the more we think about our circumstances, the harder it is to be joyful. So instead of focusing on ourselves and our circumstances, we need to refocus on our relationship with God. Now, you may not be aware of this, but over one-third of the Psalms, 150 Psalms, over a third of them are Psalms of lament where the author is lamenting their circumstances, complaining, basically. But in almost every single one of those psalms, I believe there's one exception, but in almost every single one of them, the author ends the psalm with praise, with thanksgiving, with a recognition of the faithfulness and the love of God. So yes, they're complaining, they're lamenting, but they're doing it within that relationship with God so they can maintain joy. And it's okay to complain, it's okay to lament, it's okay to talk to God about our problems. He's not surprised by it, and obviously the psalmist did it all the time. So we can do that, but we do it within the context of that relationship. Psalm 13 is a great example of this. This is written by David. And he says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? But then it skips down to verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. You see that dramatic shift? There's lament, but then there's trust and confidence and joy. We find a similar example in the book of Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So both David and Habakkuk chose to shift their focus from themselves and their circumstances to their relationship with the Lord, and in that they could experience joy. You see, our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. It's dependent on our relationship with God. So if you're lacking joy this Christmas season, Shift your focus off yourself and off of your circumstances and focus on your relationship with God. The third R stands for remember. During the weeks and days leading up to Christmas, most of us have a tendency to focus on the gotta get it done things of Christmas. Those are my wife's words. We were talking about this week. We just got this list of gotta get it done stuff, right? You got the decorating, the shopping, the wrapping, the office parties, the finals for all you students, so you got baking, cooking, traveling, all these things. December is a crazy month. December and May, I think, are the two craziest months of the year. We get caught up in the busyness of the Christmas season, and we forget 
what is important. Now, we've all heard the, say, the, the saying, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And I think sometimes we trivialize that saying, but it is really true. The birth of our Lord and Savior is the reason for the season, and we need to remember that truth. If you find yourself struggling to find joy in the midst of busyness of Christmas season, remember the reason for the season. We sing Christmas carols, not for the sake of nostalgia, but to worship God for what he did with the incarnation. We put up Christmas lights not to impress the neighbors, but to signify that Jesus is the light of the world. We give gifts, not to win people's affection or to get something in return, but to commemorate the gift that was given to us. And we gather with family and friends, not to satisfy some obligation, but to share the love of Christ with each other and to remember the birth of our Lord and Savior. I mean, we can't avoid the hustle and bustle of the season, but we can be intentional to remember the true meaning and significance of Christmas as we're going through the hustle and bustle, right? So if you're lacking joy, do something that's going to help you remember the reason for the season. Read the Christmas narratives in Matthew and Luke. Do this Christmas devotional. Even if you didn't, there's a couple back there left. If you didn't grab one, grab one. And start right now. You don't have to go all the way up to the end. Just start right now. Watch some of the videos that we've got hand-selected or curated on Right Now Media that really tell the story of Christmas. There's a great one called the Eyewitness Series that I highly recommend. Volunteer, serve others, get together with people, enjoy it. The fourth R stands for rejoice, and we've already read from Philippians 4, but I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Now the word rejoice in this context means to experience joy in a high degree, to be exhilarated. To rejoice is to express our joy outwardly so that all the world can see it. And Christmas is a time for rejoicing and for sharing that joy with others because the Lord is near. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But it's a choice that we have to make. When we come to salvation and we have that relationship with God, we are given peace. And we have peace. It's part of who we are after that. We have this sense of peace within us. But rejoicing, being joyful, requires us to make a choice to be intentional. So if you are struggling to find joy this season, remember these four R's. Repent of your sins and ask God to restore your joy. Refocus your perspective by taking your gaze off of yourself and your own circumstances and putting it on the Lord himself. Remember the true significance of Christmas, and be intentional to rejoice in the miracle of Jesus' birth. Our Lord and Savior was born as a baby to a virgin mother in an unlikely place in the humblest of circumstances, and he came into the world to save it and to save us. So we can be joyful in that. Let's pray. Father God, we have so much to be joyful about. It's all about our relationship with you. And you sent your son to be born, not as a king, not as a military leader, but as a baby in the humblest of circumstances, to grow up, to live, to play, 
to learn, eventually to minister and to lead and to disciple and to teach, and then ultimately to die for us, to be buried and to be raised from the dead. And he now intercedes on our behalf. He did all this for us. You did all this for us, God. So we just choose joy today because of what you have done on our behalf. We are so grateful for our relationship with you. And we just want to remember the, the significance of this time of year, this, this next eight or nine days that we have to prepare our hearts for Christmas and to enjoy and rejoice together. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, and one last thing. As Buddy the Elf would say, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So, let's sing it out. <laughs> let's do that. We will sing joy. We will sing joy. We will sing joy. Joy to the world. We will sing joy. We will sing joy. choose joy oh, we will choose joy we will choose joy joy to the world we will choose joy we will choose joy
amazing love that welcomes me the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving oh God you're so
Won't you get shy on me, lift up your song You've got a lot inside of those songs Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul, oh come on my soul Oh don't you get shy on me, lift up your song You've got a lot inside of those songs Get up and praise the Lord, come on my soul
Katie had this picture of a, this torrent of praise. And uh, I also, I don't know why this came to me, but uh, this uh, idea of, I don't know if you guys know that trick. If, if you uh, accidentally write Sharpie on something, if you write over it with a dry erase marker, then it erases. It's a wonderful trick. I've used it many times in the classroom. But I just got that picture for some reason of, there's so much noise. Um, there's so much noise in the world, especially in this season. But uh, we can make the choice to, uh, I guess, add to the noise. But what we're adding is, is, is joy. What we're adding is this, this crazy magical chemical, I guess, that, that allows you to cleanse, allows you to uh, erase distractions, allows you to bring hope to a lost world. When we raise our voices, when we choose joy, when we live a life of joy, That brings hope to our world around us. And as we do it together, how powerful is that? This torrent, this storm of praise that rises out of this place. Uh, but it affects our own lives personally. It, it, uh, it brings perspective to our circumstances when we choose that joy and, and don't look at ourselves, but look to the Lord. So can we just raise a hallelujah today as we close the service and, and, just, and just raise it together as a torrent of praise. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief. Sing that again. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence, in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I'll raise a hallelujah. My weapon, my weapon is a melody. I'll raise a
make this choice together. So I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence, in the presence of my enemy. And I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. My weapon is a melody. I'll raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing. God, would you help us do that as we go from here, as we live our lives this next week, as we go to work, as we go to stores and malls and interact with people, interact with the family, interact with those around us. God, would you help us sing joy? Let our lives sing joy, God. God, we make that choice together as a family. God, we make that choice personally to just choose joy, God. God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be joy to those around us, God. God, we give our lives to you. We thank you that you know us, that you love us. We thank you that you are aware of our circumstances. You're aware of our struggles. And you're God above it all. So we trust you. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's choose joy today, this week. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on Christmas Eve.